Hey everyone, Joe here. In this episode, I got to sit down and chat with Jeffrey Lodick. Jeffrey is a retired Army senior non-commissioned officer, the co-founder of the Military Podcast Network, a career readiness instructor, and a leadership consultant. During our discussion, we talked about what leadership looks like on the other side of life's transitions, tips for success, and much, much more. Enjoy. Live. Leadership, the Llama Lounge. Yo, welcome back to the Llama Lounge, a dialogue on all things life, learning, and leadership. This is Joe Bogdan. I have with me another amazing guest today, Jeffrey Lodick. What's going on, brother? What's up, Joe? How you doing, man? I'm doing awesome, man. I'm doing awesome. I cannot complain, man. So uh, for our listeners, Jeffrey is a retired Army senior non-commissioned officer, the co-founder of the Military Podcast Network, a career readiness instructor, and a leadership consultant, amongst many other things, actually. And we are excited to have you on, bro. Well, I appreciate that. One, I, thank you for having me. I'm really honored to be here. And I, I love what you're doing. I, I love the fact that you're leading from the front. I think that's what we talk about, leading from the front. And you're doing just that. So I appreciate what you're doing, not just for your for your listeners, but for the, the airmen that are following you. I think it's an amazing thing. So thank you so much. Oh, I appreciate that. I and mean, I really appreciate everything you're doing too for um, for all of us, especially um, the folks transitioning veterans and everything else that we'll kind of talk about it. But um, you're doing some amazing things. But uh, before we get into that, I was thinking, you know, if you can, we're all experiencing this very ambiguous and sometimes volatile environment very differently across the country. So could you uh, share like, so what's going on in your neck of the woods? Where are you and um, how, how are things over there? Well, I'm in Tampa, Florida, and uh, you know, Florida is one of the hot spots, right? So they keep talking about Florida has a, a large growth of of the COVID uh, spreading, you know, disease and all that good stuff. So, so really, we're we're kind of in the same, almost the same situation as some other places where you know th- there was a little bit of of, of you know high rise in, in cases, then it started to uh, even out a little bit. So, you know, economy struggling as it is, restaurants and all that stuff, they started opening up and. Mm-hmm. And, and different different attractions, the beaches and, and the and the you know bush gardens of the world and all all that stuff. And now we're seeing another peak in these in these numbers and the cases. So as they're growing, obviously the the governor, the mayor, and everybody they're, they're doing like mask mandates. So now everybody has to wear a mask in any store you go to, which which is fine. You know, I mean it's not mm-hmm. a big deal and it doesn't really create a hardship. But nonetheless, it's starting to go back to the way it was when we first yeah. got the guy, uh, the, the whole scare. So things are starting to shut down, you know, a little bit. I mean, it's not like a, a complete uh, deserted area, but it's, it's, it's they're doing a little bit more control, if you will, of the spread of, of COVID. So yeah. it is what it is. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Over in, um, over here in California, it's the same way. Um, we've locked down quite a bit for our listeners. This is beginning of July. So, um, you know, we've kind of regressed a little bit and I think the mask thing is, I mean, I mean, it's a little bit of an inconvenience, but I think, um, you know, it's good for, um, it's good for so many things in my opinion, bro. Like, I think it's good for us to kind of like understand as a reminder, but also I think, uh, a lot of times, we in our society don't do a lot of things for other people, right? So when we wear this mask, it's not necessarily protecting us, but it's like kind of a practice of helping, you know, take care of other people. And I think that's a good, that's in a way, that's a good thing to do. 
It's a great thing to do, man. Yeah, you, know, yeah. you know what's crazy to me? I mean, look, I, I could care less, man. Look, I, I grew up up in New York, and, and I right. remember growing up, and it used to say on, on the outside of every store, no shoes, no shirt, no service, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and so you could walk in there with no shoes on, but you're not buying anything, right? So right. It's the same concept. If, if there's a rule, you follow yeah. it. And, and more importantly, man, for me, it's just it's funny, our society, right? Mm -hmm. And I look at how there's businesses taking place. There, there's new masks. There's, you know, branding on your mask. It's all cool. Yeah, yeah. If you look at Asian countries, if you look at, I mean, if you look right. at anywhere else that's wearing masks, they're the regular, regular white right. mask. I mean, it's just the normal <laughs> thing, right? But we have to go and put like Reebok or Nike or whatever, right. whatever uh, brand it is that we right. want to show. But anyway. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's yeah, we still got to show our individualism, you know, yeah, but, sure. but like I said, it's a, like, you know what I mean? It's a good thing. I think it's a pretty good thing to um, almost like a practice of, uh, hey, don't forget, we do things for other people too, you know, not just for sure. ourselves. So it, it's a, a kind of a cool reminder every time I have to put it on. So love I'm not it. saying I love doing it all the time, but you know, it's, it's part of it, right? It's part of life. Sure. I, I don't, me personally, right? So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not the guy. I'm not, I guess no. I'm not the majority, but right. it's, it's simple, right? So yeah. I'm in my truck and I'm not wearing my mask and I get mm -hmm. to a store. If I'm going to the store anyway, I don't really go out all that much to begin right. with, but I put it on, I go in, I get what I want and I come mm -hmm. out and then I take it off. And it's not like, uh, it's not that prohibitive. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, it's, yeah, I, I can absolutely. breathe, you know I mean? <laughs> right. Life is fine. So it, right. it, it isn't that big of a deal to me. I'll, I'll do it. If, if it helps the situation overall, mm -hmm. I'm all for it. Cause I have plenty of my friends that are currently right now, as we speak, in the ICU, in the mm -hmm. emergency room. I mean, they're there. I mean, I, I've got eight friends of mine, uh, two that are on, uh, you know, they're, they're quarantined because they're positive. So mm -hmm. look, for me, I'm just hopeful that they get out of this uh, unscathed. They're fine and everything works out well. At this point, I haven't lost anybody to COVID itself um, mm -hmm. that I personally know. Uh, so the ones that I do know, I'm hopeful that they get better. But if, if, if wearing a mask mm -hmm. helps them not get it and helps me not get it and helps right. me not spread it, mm -hmm. I wear a mask. <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely. Now, for, for those of you that, you know, that don't know what uh, Jeffrey looks like, he has this ridiculously amazing beard. So I do, I do wonder like how he gets, you know, <laughs> the, the, the mask on. I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't put it in. Right. Yeah, so yeah. I, mean, obviously, I think that was, I think that was one of those things while in the military, you know, the, the, the pro mask was the, that's, that was one of the reasons right. for shaving all the time. Right. So right. the seal would work. Right. So mm -hmm. with, with the mask itself that I wear now, I don't, I don't tuck my hair in. I right. just kind of <laughs> let it go over my chin. The hair pushes back to my neck and I nice. walk in and I walk out and then I, I comb it afterwards. So it doesn't have that little bend in it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome, bro. Yeah. Like I think really uh, the only thing that I kind of wish we saw a little bit more of right now is probably like, Hey, you, these are things you could do to improve your fitness and your immune system. You know what I mean? I feel like we're not talking about that quite enough, but, um, but I, th I think there's a lot there too. <laughs> No doubt. I mean, look, the gym closed, my, my garage opened. I mean, that's yep. the way, that's the way it happened. I mean, oh, I, yeah. I couldn't go to the gym anymore and it's not like I'm a big buff, like a phys, physical fitness buff. I mean, I, I was 20 years in the army and I, I mm -hmm. ran all the time. I have my knee replaced. So I don't mm -hmm. run anymore. However, I swim, I get on a bicycle and I ride. Mm -hmm. Uh, but the, the gym, I like to maintain that physical fitness. So what did I do, right. uh, I didn't have weights. So I picked up stuff, whatever was in my garage. That was, that, was, that <laughs> became my weight. You know, it was like nice. a prison house workout. But anyway, <laughs> it worked out well. That's awesome. <laughs> so sweet, bro. So, hey, so um, Jeffrey, whenever we have guests on the Llama Lounge, we'd like to take the opportunity to gain some insight um, on their story as we have found that, you know, we often glean wisdom from the experience of others. So I was hoping you would um, share a little bit about how uh, you've became the man we see today. Man, through through a lot, of, I, mean, I guess they call it the school of hard knocks, maybe. Uh, you know, I definitely am not 
today what I was at 14, 18, 25, and, you know, through uh, maturation, whatever the case would be, I mean, just learning and finding people to, uh, to cling on to from a leadership perspective. But, you know, when I was a young kid, I was, I was born and raised in Buffalo, New York, uh, middle class, low middle class, a family. So we had, but we had a lot of, you know, brothers and sisters. So there was, it's, it's too many to count. So biologically I had two brothers and me. Right. And then I, that was like the Brady bunch repeatedly. Like, so yeah. I, that goes on forever. So six brothers, four sisters later, and, and just a whole bunch of aunts and uncles. It's, we, 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 we had a, a pretty interesting upbringing, but nonetheless, I, I played baseball a lot, was not studious at all. I was a horrible, horrible student. I, I, I could do it. I just hated, hated being in the school. I didn't like the, the structure of school. I wanted to do more than just sit there and listen. So anyhow, so that being said, my grades were always not good. Um, I had no aspirations to be a college student. I had zero aspirations to be a, a corporate America guy. I wanted to play baseball period. There was nothing else. Like you couldn't have told me that I was going to be X, Y, or Z because baseball wasn't involved with it. So anyway, uh, after I got graduated high school, I got invited to spring training with the Toronto Blue Jays down in, and here in Tampa, it's actually Oldsmar. Um, and anyways, went down there and didn't really turn out to, 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 to be very good. It was Dunedin, excuse me. But anyway, didn't turn out well. I did not make it. And, and uh, it was actually, that was probably the, if, if I could count, like, like depression has only happened in my life, maybe like like real, real depression, right? I mean, I've been depressed and sad, but I mean, real depression probably only happened maybe two or three times in my entire life. And that was probably it because at that point, mm. I probably should have been a little bit more zealous and wanted to attack it, but I kind of gave up. And, I, and, I, and it was one of those things that I, uh, I, I don't regret it. I just, I just knew that baseball was no longer in my future from a player's perspective. So mm. when I got home, I, I, I kind of gathered my thoughts. I knew I didn't want to go to college. I didn't, and that was one of the options, you know, go play college, get drafted and play in, in the major leagues at some point, if I was ever that good. Um, or, you know, just go get a, a nine to five job and just be a, be a, a guy. Right. And yeah. that, that didn't fit either one. I didn't want to be a, a student and I didn't want to just work. So a friend of mine was in the army and he told me he was having a great time in Germany partying and stuff. And I was 18. <laughs> and I was like, man, I, I could join the army and party in Germany. <laughs> so so I joined the army and, and eventually I got to Germany, but neither here nor there. Um, it was, the, the army was a really interesting and such a, such an amazing uh, experience in my mind. I mean, I, I think that if you look back, even for you, for instance, right, you look at when you were an airman and, and when you look back at it, it seems so far and so long ago, and, but you, and you can't even remember how you felt as an airman because you're not close to that anymore. Right. It's mm -hmm. some stuff far away. I remember getting crushed in the army as a private. It, I, I was in Corlurs, long range surveillance unit, which is kind of like if you read the books, the old long range reconnaissance patrol, it's one of those organizations that stemmed from there. So you had a whole bunch of guys from Ranger Regiment that came down. Anyway, being a private in that organization was a horrible experience from a physical perspective. Everything mm -hmm. I did right, wrong or indifferent. I, I was doing push ups. I was doing all kind of exercise that I don't even think are even like legal to do, but I was doing them. Um, but it really shaped my career. It, it, it did teach me discipline. It did teach me structure. It did teach me that, that there was more important things than me. It was always about what, most of the things that I was getting in trouble for is because I wasn't thoughtful of my teammates. And it was, mm -hmm. it was one of those things that just shaped me for the rest of my career. And then uh, you know, I had some experiences going to, to Korea, which was a great time. I was there for three years. I mean, I partied, I partied a lot, right? I mean, that's why I was a young kid, single, had no responsibilities, mm -hmm. but man, what a, what an experience to be away from home, be in a different country, learn the culture. I met so many Filipinos and, and, and Korean uh, nationals that I actually became pretty good friends with while I was there and throughout my time. 
what a, what an amazing opportunity for me to get outside of the American ideology, ideology, mm-hmm. see something from a different cultural perspective. So that was great. And then leaving there, I came to McDill for the first time. Then I came back. I, I got selected to be a drill sergeant. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that's what changed my life. So really, you know, the army, just the the institution as it is, and the structure in which it had was was something that kind of helped helped me move along from a from a I guess seeing things from other people's eyes, but when I was a drill sergeant, that's actually when the light hit me that I know at that moment, I knew what I wanted to be when I grew up. And, and uh, it wasn't the yelling. It wasn't the, mm-hmm. you know, because I say so, you do it. I mean, although it's great, that's what happens, but that's what the job entails. But it was understanding that people, people come to this place because they want to make a change in their life. It's mm-hmm. kind of like seeing an overweight person in the gym and then laughing. It doesn't make sense, right? They're, right. they're overweight. You want to make fun of them for being overweight because you're foolish, but now they're in the gym trying to better themselves and yet mm-hmm. you're still trying to put them down, help them, right? And then mm-hmm. I looked at these kids and I say kids, man, I was 25 years old as a drill sergeant. I had 34, 38, 42 because they had extended the, uh, the age scale at that time um, coming in the military and they were seeking something better than where they were. And for me, that was an opportunity for me to actually think to myself, I have an opportunity right now to transform these young men and women's lives. And I, I'm the start of that. So I can either give them a horrible taste of what the army is, or I can be a little bit compassionate, understand I'm not going to listen to them, quote unquote, listen to them like a true leader does because I'm, it's not the place. And, and as far as being a right. drill sergeant, I'm, I'm trying to incorporate the military mindset into them. But at the same time, I can listen to them and understand that who they are, what they're doing and, and how to help better them. So when they move on from me, they're set up, they're setting up the next person that they're being led by for success because that's what we kind of want to do, right? We're always putting our hand out, putting our hand up and all that good stuff, pulling and pushing. But man, was that such a beautiful time in my life? Honestly, mm-hmm. hard hours. Don't get me wrong. All oh, that, yeah. all, that, that stuff I, I could probably do without, but, but <laughs> the, um, the overall experience was just something that said when I'm done with this army stuff, I mean, I, it actually even, Define the rest of my career that I was always looking out for the, the junior guy. I didn't never really wanted to be a, a sergeant major to where I was at a division level or something so far away removed from the soldiering. And yes, you can mentor and all that good stuff still, but I really, really loved the idea of just helping mold, shape, mentor, coach, lead, all that stuff to these young folks that are just looking for somebody. And, right. and, and they're, they're looking, they don't always want to tell you they're looking for someone, even like you, Chief. At this point right now, as, you, as you're sitting there, you still need mentorship. Absolutely. You, you may not say to the, to the, you know, the chief master of the air force, Hey chief, will you mentor me? <laughs> but, if you, but if you listen to him talk and soon to yeah. be her talk, cause that, right. by the way, congratulations, great yeah. thing, great news. Yeah. I love to see that. Mm-hmm. But at, at the end of the day, you you want someone to help you to develop more than where you're at now. Right. So that's, that's, that was the premise. That was the sole baseline of where everything has branched from there is my time as a drill sergeant. And, I, and I can't say, I can't say it enough, man. It's just, just what yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Man. Cause I think like in a lot of ways you sound like, um, when I did my special duty, uh, stepped out, that's where I kind of found my meaning and purpose. You know, I was kind of just floating along participating in life, you know, doing well, but I was kind of still participating until I figured that piece out. And I love what you, cause you kind of bring up that whole discipline piece, right. And the teamwork and how that was, how it encompasses so many great things. And I think a lot of times leaders nowadays, we don't, you know, as, as a whole, we're like, yeah, we want to take care of our people. But I was like, but we leave out the part of instilling discipline as part of taking care of our people. Right. And, and I know we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about like transition, but that 
in discipline, you know, having self-discipline, right? I mean, that translates to anything you're doing, not just being in the military. Sure. No, yeah. no doubt. I mean, look, I, I'm a, I've used this quote since I was an E4 in the army. So that's forever ago, right? Back in the early, early uh, 2000, I got promoted to E5 in 2001. So I've used this quote since an E4. So for the last 20 plus years, right? Or almost 20, 20 plus years. Anyway, uh, Martin Luther King said, a genuine leader is not a searcher for consensus, but a molder of consensus, right? So if you really break that down, right? And really think about it, it's simple. It, the, 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 the hard decision the most popular decision isn't always the right decision. And sometimes you have to be the leader that's going to make that unpopular decision and move further in that manner. And people, because you've already proven that you're the leader that they want to follow, not that they need to follow, that they want to follow, that might not be the best decision in their mind, but they're going to do it because you, you have guided them in the proper manner. So discipline is one of those things as, as I mean, I, we could talk about this all day long, but what I, what I will say is this. I want you to, I'm going to throw this out there for your listeners to listen to. And I, I'm not, I don't, I don't want to mess up his name. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to say it, but he's a, a former baseball coach. Right. And he talks about 17 inches and that's mm -hmm. the, that's the measurement of home plate and at every baseball stadium across the world, no matter if you're four years old, college, professional it doesn't matter 17 inches is the width and i'm going to tell you he does this speech and you probably won't find the actual speech on youtube but you can find a transcript and it's amazing because it talks about discipline and accountability and it says no matter how good or bad you are in life 17 inches is where you lie and if you go outside of 17 inches you've changed the standard which is not what you're supposed to do but anyway great speech and i say that because we have to be able to figure out what our 17 inches are and right. be consistent with that throughout and that's to include disciplining your superstar performer to disciplining the one that isn't so superstar, but you have to be yeah. very fair. And I don't want to say equal because equal is a little, it's tough to decide what equal is. Right. And mm -hmm. it's a, to me, it's a, a, a fake word, but anyway, that's, mm -hmm. that's a, for a whole different conversation <laughs> um, when it comes to people. I mean, there's equal when it comes to weight and all that other stuff, but anyhow, right. but having that standard and using that uh, it's, it's paramount, right? truly yeah. is where, where do you lie in the 17 inches yeah you? that's awesome that's awesome i'll definitely have to look that up because yeah for me it's you know and, and people automatically want to take the word discipline it's like oh disciplining people right it's like no not, no instilling discipline right and mm -hmm. teaching people how to become disciplined human beings um that's gonna you know really bring a lot of value to people's lives uh, in my personal opinion for sure sure and you say discipline we talk about martial arts there's that's a discipline right, right. it's not mm -hmm. about and, and people right. people take the word and again words have meaning and people yeah. want to use it in, in a manner in which feels as though to be disciplined i'm punished but mm -hmm. discipline means to do things in a manner which is methodical and there's a structure to that right that exact thing but yes right yeah that. yep teaching right disciples discipline you know they all that that's great so yeah i appreciate that and so can you kind of go into like so what it is what is it that takes um most of your time today what are you investing most of your time in today today in a professional level Oh man. So, so <laughs> you're a Renaissance man. So like, there's a lot of different things. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's so hard. Man. <laughs> you know? So, so the one thing when I decided to retire from the army, I, I could have done more years. I did it. I, I got out at 20. I made a very thoughtful decision. I don't regret it at all. I, I'm very satisfied with what I, what I chose to do, but what I wanted to do more than anything was spend more time with my family. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's what I retired for but I wanted to open my own business, which I, I did by opening Changer Forecast. Uh, Changer Forecast LLC is a life and leadership. Uh, it's really 
it's teaching life and leadership lessons to, to youth, youthful athletes uh, using team sports, organized sports as, a, as the basis, right? So basically saying, you know, they don't have recall, so to speak. So they're going to experience things in life at some point. And what I try to do is to take the sport in, in itself in situations in which they've never really experienced out there, but they have experienced it. So how can they use that to, to move further past whatever, whatever obstacle or even victory, right? Victory, we, we, they always say, act like you've been there. Well, mm -hmm. how do you act like you've been there? You know what I'm saying? Certain yeah. things. Like when you, when you got selected for chief, there was people next to you that didn't. Mm -hmm. You could have jumped up and down and did backflips, but at the end of the day, you know that the person next to you is going through an emotional thing. So it's, mm -hmm. it's yes, I'm, I'm proud of what I did, but now I need to think about my, my fellow man or woman mm -hmm. to ensure that, that I can, they can be positive. So anyway, so I use that um, to, to really teach those lessons, right, to, to student athletes. And when I say student athletes, I'm talking about high school to collegiate level because mm -hmm. we know that the numbers of people that actually play, play professional sports is very, very minimal. So what are they going to do next, right? And I, I kind of want to instill in them a little bit, a little bit of um, an understanding, if you will, as well as I aim at the coaches, right? Because coaches sometimes, they, they think that the only thing they're obligated to do is teach how to throw, catch, pass, run, but they're obligated so much more is to yeah. teach the foundation of life mm -hmm. and discipline and all those things that incorporate that. So that's where, that's where a lot of my time is focused. And, and then, you know, you take this, the third thing, I guess, out of all that is transitioning veterans. I, 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 um, I started a podcast back in January of 17 as I was going through the transition process um, solely because I was in a, uh, you know, TAPS office. I mean, not, not the office, but the transition programs uh, mm -hmm. room. And there were, 06s, 04s, E1s, E4s, E8s, E9s. It was just a very large group of folks. And at that time, I was talking to people that I knew that had been transitioned for quite a while and some that had transitioned in the first uh, about 90 days before that. And I just was getting a lot of advice. Listening to this group of, of people talk to all of these people, it didn't, there was, it was so general. And what I mean by that transition is a generalization, right? I mean, we all experience things differently. We all have different variables that are involved with our lives and all that good stuff. So when I was sitting here looking at some of these folks that just had this look of bewilderment, they were confused. There was just so many resources, but they don't have any access. It's not actionable. You know I mean, and so I was like, well, I'm getting some pretty good advice from my, my mentors. Why don't I just interview them? And then I'll share that interview with a couple of these folks. And then it kind of stemmed off from there. As I started that, it started spreading. More people started reaching out to me and wanted to be on my show. More people were saying, hey, did you ever have this person on the show? And it was great. And through that, as I started learning more about transition, uh, I started to put things together. I got invited to be a career readiness instructor at Four Block. Four Block's a great organization. That's for student veterans. So if you're pursuing a degree, if you have a degree, uh, you can find fourblock, fourblock.org, F-O-U-R-B-L-O-C-K.org. Mm -hmm. You can find, uh, if they're in, within your city, uh, so because of the fact that COVID happened, they're doing a lot of things remotely now and virtually, so you might not even have to worry about being in the city itself. Um, and it, it's just a great place to find, it's corporate America, you get to go in there and, and learn some, there's a curriculum that's based on, you know, resume writing, networking skills, LinkedIn usage, and just a little, and, and branding yourself, and how do you prepare for an interview? all those wonderful skills, but we, they do it right in front of hiring managers and, and uh, military or veteran recruiters. So you're, you're actually being able to network while being taught by the people that potentially could hire you. Now it doesn't mean it always equates to you get a job, but you really, you get a lot of experience before you need it, if you will. So it's a, it's a great organization, which I've been able to be part of now for three over, over three years. 
And, you know, I, I just stay in the transition space. So I get phone calls. As a matter of fact, I, I was on three earlier today. I got two more after this, but people I've never met before, but they've seen shows on which I've done because I stream my, my podcast on the other side, Leadership After Transition, yeah. to both YouTube now. I just expanded to YouTube. So mm -hmm. I have a Facebook group. I, I put it on iTunes, Stitcher, all those podcast players. And it's just been a really awesome experience. Oh, <laughs> man. Yeah. I mean, your stuff is, I mean, everything you're doing is amazing. Like I, I you know, I watched a lot of the live streams and it's just, uh, there are so many things that people just don't know. Right. I mean, and we don't know what we don't know. And we're just in there like, and, and like when people um, explained to me what four block was, I was like, Oh man, how many people don't know what this is? You know? And I think it's awesome that we're able to talk about it on this podcast and you kind of talk about it through yours because um, there's so many great resources for our transitioning vets that, and let's be honest in the past, we kind of left them out. You know, we left them out in the, in the cold in, in a lot of ways. Um, um, I think it's awesome that like we have the platform, technology we're able to leverage technology to get this information out and, oh, yeah. and it's so awesome what you're doing brother it's equally as awesome what you're doing i think i think uh it was really interesting i think i said the same thing that almost every teacher says or anybody mm -hmm. that's really trying to make a difference right if i can if i can change one person's life or if i can impact one mm -hmm. person's life i'll have one well yeah. i did that and now i'm, I'm yeah. not satisfied i want to yeah. do more you know what i mean so, yeah. so it's good i mean i've had some really good stories i've had some i've had some uh some difficult ones right and i've had some really difficult conversations with some folks because we all struggle differently and there's things that we all need that are different but mm -hmm. having those conversations is, is good um and i continue i want to continue to do it right and it's it's uh it's definitely just an honorable thing to do but it's it's, it's the it's the transition of we versus me, and it's hard right. to be because well, when you do transition, a lot of it is me, me, me. Even you mm -hmm. having this conversation about right. me, right. it's become easier to talk about it because I've been talking about it. But typically, if I was to ask you a series of questions of stuff that you're doing, right. you'd say we, yeah. my folks, the the, the, the mm -hmm. airmen here, because we we are as you grow in the military, you're definitely talking about them, mm -hmm. not me, and, and so it's it's one of those things, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think you're, um, you know, I think you hit on something that I really find um, just fascinating. And I think I've been digging more into it as talking to uh, more amazing people like you is our tap programs, although, you know, they're, they're there, they're, they're great, you know, people are funding them, they're, you know, DOD is funding it, and we're trying to do our best with limited time, limited resource, everything else. But what you're doing and what a lot of great VSOs and other you know, folks are doing um, is you're changing the, the parameter for success of transitioning to just having a job. It's not, you know, it doesn't mean just because you got a job does not mean you successfully, you know, uh, transitioned. Like, uh, I think the average I heard last was um, within the first five years, you're going to change at least three jobs, you know, like after you get out, a lot of times it happens that way. And it's like, okay, well, if you're hanging your head on the fact that, you got this person to one job that they're probably going to change at least two or three more times afterwards. Like how successful is your program instead of helping them transition to a holistically as a veteran? Sure. Sure. I mean, you hit the nail on the head, right? So transition is, is a process. It's not a job, but the, the one thing, I mean, if you, if you think about it, the one thing that is typically the transitioning veterans biggest pain point is right. employment, right? So they want to be able to get employment so they can be sustainable and they, they don't have to be a homeless veteran, another statistic mm -hmm. in that manner, right? So that's a huge thing. You're right. The stat statistics, they 13 months, the first job and, and yeah. all that good stuff. And, and really, I think that it, it, the onus is on the individual a little bit, right? Just to figure right. out who you are, um, understanding, because if you understand who you are, not what you are, but who you are, you'll find what, where you're going to go a little bit easier to, to navigate, mm -hmm. right? So understanding what you want to do uh, and, and who the person you are is that isn't, you know, 
chief or isn't right. major or colonel or general or, or mm -hmm. private. It, do, it doesn't matter. We got to figure out who we are after that. Um, the TAPS programs are, are look, I, I could say all kind of negative stuff, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but I won't because here's the deal. Just like any military program, and I, and I just believe this to be wholeheartedly true, we could send you to a 40-hour block of instruction to be insert skill, right? It doesn't mm -hmm. matter what that skill is. We send you a 40-hour block of instruction that's a week long. After a week, no one in the world thinks you're an expert at it. They just know you know the basics of the foundation of. If you would like to be the expert at it, you have to do more of it. You have to, you have to research some things. You have to actually put yourself in a position to do the job, whatever it may be, so you can expand your knowledge and be able to apply said knowledge successfully, right? So the TAPS program, it isn't the greatest. And I just don't know that the Army, Air Force, Navy, Marines want it to be the greatest because they're investing on people that are no longer contributing now directly because mm -hmm. the best recruiter is a former service member right mm -hmm. so when when, yeah. when you go out and see somebody when you're not when you're no longer in the military saying the air force was greatest experience of my life it's going to mean something to that person so you can put that person back in so the transition on the way out you want to have a positive experience so you don't make this guy say air force sucks right we don't want right. to hear that so mm -hmm. anyhow i say all that to say the program is designed and it's fine and, and what it's getting better. I mean, so back in 2000, there was really no program. So anything mm -hmm. before 2000, those people were really struggling. Technology's right. increased. So we're able to access a lot of stuff via Google so we can do a little bit more research on our own. And I tell people all the time when they're, when they're, when they're struggling to find purpose or find the resources, I say, well, when you want to play World of Warcraft or Xbox or when you, <laughs> even for the ones that are, are ambitious and get a degree, whether it be a bachelor's, master's, doctorate, because I've seen many of them that do that in the military. Well, if you're that ambitious to do these things that you want to do, you're transitioning. It's a choice you're making. Right. You have to put that effort too. So there's a little bit of onus on the individual, but mm -hmm. at the end of the day, it's a, it's a process, just like you said. It's not employment. There's a mindset shift. There's, there's the way we did things here that we don't do things like that anymore. I mean, there's mm -hmm. things that we could say in the military and that we all understand. And then when yeah. you get out there, no one, they're looking at you like you got this thing on your forehead. And you know, <laughs> it's, it's just, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so I mean, you, you've talked to a lot of people. You've um, experienced a transition yourself. Um, what are some gaps do you think that we can kind of get after? You know, maybe as a and I'm not even saying the DOD alone, you know what I mean? I'm talking about like all of us as, as a society um, to help uh, folks transition from serving to now serving in a different capacity. Well, I, you know, transition happens all the time. Right. And, and mm -hmm. it's one of those things that I, I, I don't want to say that military folks are entitled. I, I that's mm -hmm. a negative connotation. To <laughs> but I look at something like this. If I worked, if I was a, a big wig at Walmart, like if I was mm -hmm. a general manager, and I was going to leave Walmart. I don't think the, the, my senior folks at Walmart are going to prepare me to go take over Kmart or to take over a competition or not even competition, but just another, another job that's, you're no longer serviceable to me. So bye, right? So the military though, we're, we're, we're helping folks because there's, there's fiscal responsibility, right? Because if I'm mm -hmm. taking unemployment, the military still has to pay for that to the state in which you're taking it from. So there's, mm -hmm. they're, they're getting beat up by money. So they need to fix that by providing money in some other, other means. But, to do it as a whole, I think that we have to have the understanding of what networking really is. I, I, I'm going to tell you, networking is probably, and that's not a societal thing. That's just a, it's, it's a thing. You are in different places to network with senior folks, right? right. Those same folks that you're networking with aren't really getting that. It's not going down to the, the staff sergeant or tech sergeant, right? Because it's just a different level of people and your, and your exposure is different. But I know that when I was in the Army, that as a first sergeant or sergeant major, if another SAR major came to me and said that one of my soldiers said this, that, or the other thing, 
I'd, I'd say, okay, thanks. I'd go in and I'd yell at my soldier for going to talk to that Sergeant Major without talking to me, right? <laughs> Which, because we get mad because that's the structure. There's a chain of command and blah, 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 blah. And, and I get that. However, comma, it really hinders the growth from a networking perspective outside of that. I mean, and, and this, that's what is going to pay you your dollars when you're out here. And I don't mean just by, by paycheck, but mm -hmm. even having a conversation with you, James Van Proyen connected with you and I, right? Connected mm -hmm. us together. We're having right. this conversation today because of that connection. Right. Otherwise, you and I would never have talked. We can learn a lot from each other. And it might not even, it might not even benefit us financially, mm -hmm. but it'll benefit us from our desire to grow from a leadership perspective. Well, Absolutely. if we don't have that, if that's not a skill in which we've learned through the military because it stifles that, and in a sense, until you start getting up into the senior ranks where you're able to mm -hmm. maneuver in a different manner, well, I think that's a gap. I think that's a huge gap, and I think it should be talked about regularly and figuring out how to actually incorporate that as opposed to blocking that. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, it does. And um, yeah, shout out to VP for connecting us, man. That was awesome. I'm glad I got to um, chat with you and, and be connected to you now. Uh, but you know, that, that networking relationship thing I think you're talking about is such a big deal. And like you said, as you're transitioning out, I mean, as you're a senior leader, you may have more of those, you know, opportunities to network. But you know, I've, I've been told by numerous and just, and just more like I'm just asking your opinion on it, what you think is I've been told by numerous folks that when they've transitioned out, it's almost like they went opposite direction. Like I've learned how to build relationships and network as a senior leader. And then now that I'm out, now I'm like shell shocked and I start pulling myself back into like a recluse thing, like forgetting that I have those abilities. Have you seen that? Like, at oh, all? I've, yeah, I've seen a lot. And, and, and you know what? I've done that on occasion throughout and, and there's times, right? There's times. And, and it's not because they're different and those people and all that stuff. It's because it's not an us versus them. Right? It's, right. It's, you can incorporate yourself into the society. You just incorporate yourself in the society. I don't have to look at someone as their experiences to think that they didn't experience the same thing I did. Mm -hmm. So now we can't talk. But what I will tell you is it just gets overwhelming on occasion, right? Mm -hmm. So as you're out there, because again, until you know what you want to do, you really don't know. So you're going to all these different events and they're all different and they're different, mm -hmm. they different conversation and different, different reasons why these events are having being held. And what happens is you're just getting inundated with people without really knowing why, you know I mean? You don't mm -hmm. know why I'm talking to you. I mean, especially like if, if VP said, Hey, you need to meet Jeff. We talk and you're like, I don't know why I met this guy. And, and that <laughs> happens, you know, but mm -hmm. at, at the other day, conversation was great between you and I some other mm -hmm. conversations just don't go that route so right. I would tell you it's really a again an individuality thing each individual will approach it differently um it's kind of where like Rob Campbell on one of my interviews he had said know who you are and that with the mm -hmm. military needs to take it more advantage of teaching you who you are towards your exit so you can figure out what you want right. to do um because if you can have a specific desire then you're targeting your networking. You're, you're doing it intentionally for a purpose. And therefore you're, you're, you're going to be more successful. It's not just put me in hire our heroes uh, event, put me in this mm -hmm. event, put me in this event and, and keep going to all these events where you just have thousands of people and mm -hmm. business cards and you don't even know what it's just, you're more confused now than mm -hmm. you were before you even got started getting out. And it's just, it, it, it definitely, I, I see it. I've seen it and I've experienced it a little bit, but again, clarity, you know, it brings a little bit more of intention. Intention is, is what I'm, what I'm looking for. So I, now I do intentional right. networking as opposed to just meeting people. Yeah. I mean, man, you made a great point. I know, uh, and you brought it up, you know, his quote, 
you know, that we need to figure out who we are. And I think our programs, they're, although they're getting a lot better, um, we're still missing that piece. And then even another side too, the resilience piece of like, okay, you're going to go through some anxiety transitioning. I mean, you, you already go through anxiety as a military member, just PCSing, moving from one place to another. I know I do. I like, I can't stand moving. I'm in the wrong career field because I keep moving a lot, of course, but, but that's something that I'm not a, a big fan of I just know it's the thing that I have to do but but just transitioning from who you thought you were like an identity to potentially not even know who you are next that I mean that there's going to bring so much anxiety and I think that's those are some of the things that I feel like um that are the gaps in my opinion that maybe we can help you know with sure. but and like you said it, it is ownership though like people have to take personal accountability over wanting to that but I think some people don't even realize that the reason why they're having so much is- so many issues transitioning is because they're tied to that full bird colonel rank that they were forever you know or or that or that chief rank or the sergeant major whatever it is like no that's who I what I am it's like no that's just part of who you are and who you were you know you're transitioning now I was told as a, as an E3 that every rank that I'd have would be temporary. It's a, I mean, mm-hmm. like for instance, like if you were to sit down with all your airmen, right. And mm-hmm. you were to say on a, on a three by five card, give me a title, tell me your title as much, mm-hmm. as many as you want. I mean, so mm-hmm. I could go through curse words that people called me, but right. I that me, I've been, I've been a paratrooper. I'm a jump master. I'm a pathfinder. Mm-hmm. I was a SAR major. I mean, I, I go through all these lists of things that I was right. And then the other things that, that come out is I'm a father. I'm a business owner. I'm, I mean, I'm a husband. I'm, I'm a million things. What of those are temporary and which one of those are permanent? So yeah. when you look at the fact that you're a chief, you were a senior master not too long ago. Now you're a chief. Mm-hmm. And at some point in time, you'll be a retired chief, right? right. And, and the chief will not follow you to, whatever business you're going into, whatever, mm-hmm. whether it's your business or a business in which a corporate uh, spot where you're going to get a job, right? It doesn't follow you. So it doesn't define who you are. It's mm-hmm. a temporary, a temporary assignment, if you will. Right. And, and then from there, it's, it's really understanding who it is behind her. What is, what is all the, what are all the skills that you've gained? What does that equate to out mm-hmm. there? And now can I find something that fits that? Or do I have to do more studying? That's why I tell folks all the time, you can go and get your degrees, get them. It's important. Get your certifications. They're important. Get, get anything that you possibly can to market yourself in a manner that, that you want to go to do, because that's what's going to get you the quote unquote job, as opposed to the fact that you were a colonel, chief, sergeant major, insert whatever. I mean, there are some soft skills that exist that you earn or learn, but those have to be transferable Right. And able to be talked about. Otherwise, you know, thank you for your service. Although very, you know, from the heart, they mean it. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't equate to, thank you so much. Let me give you money to work for me, which I don't know what you're going to bring. And, and that's what we have to be able to, to show, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Like for me, I know, um, like I don't hit higher tenure for another 11 years. And I hopefully I can get to that point where, you know, staying in. But I'm already looking at things you know what I mean like what I'm kind of thinking about like I, I teach online for the school because I want to be a teacher when I get out just gain that experience constantly and you know run the, uh, do the llama lounge thing with my team and talk to amazing people like you so these are all things I'm kind of trying to prepare myself to but part of that preparation just like you just brought up was like part of the preparation is mentally telling myself, Hey, this thing is temporary. My, my rank is not, does not define me. And that might be a reminder I have to give myself regularly, but I think um, that that's part of transition, a healthy transition. Sure. I think it's important for you as a chief right now is that your, your, your rank doesn't define you. Your rank gives people opportunity to come and speak to you because of the position in which you hold your response to them is what's going to dictate whether they want to follow you or not. I mean, you know, you know, you know what I mean? Is there, there's, a lot of times the rank is I'm, I'm in charge and, and it's okay. You have to be, you're the confident leader. You have to mm-hmm. be that guy, but 
you also have to be the compassionate leader. You have to be the knowledgeable leader. You have to be a million other things uh, before someone's just going to follow you, right? And, and yeah. your response to someone who needs you mm-hmm. is going to dictate whether or not they ever come to you again, right? And that's yeah. relevant of the rank, right? So. Yeah, very, very true. So I think this is awesome because you know, we're, we're getting deep into the transition piece. Um, but uh, what does leadership on the other side look like to you? You know what I mean? Like how, how do we prepare and what does it look like? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a story. Just, it's, mm-hmm. It'll be a quick one. Um, mm-hmm. So I knew when I was leaving that I wanted to be a business owner. I knew I, I didn't know exactly what business I wanted to own. I mean, I knew I mm-hmm. wanted to be a leadership consultant of sorts. I wanted to be involved with leadership. I actually had plenty of meetings with the New York Yankees, with the Pittsburgh Pirates, with the Toronto Blue Jays, the Philadelphia Phillies. I had conversations with people, but they weren't trying to buy me. I mean, mm-hmm. and I wasn't selling them. I didn't, I didn't know what I didn't know, but I realized that my target market wasn't them. I mean, it, it just wasn't. I knew where my, my real passion lied was in the youth area, right? So anyhow, I say all that to say, I wanted to be a professional speaker. I wanted to make sure that I had some speaker knowledge. So what I did was I met with a professional speaker early, well before I retired, and they gave me a, a, a little bit of a guide in order how to uh, become a professional speaker, to get paid to speak, right? Some people can do it just because, right? They're, they're, they've, they've got credibility to their name. They're very well known, a General Mattis, uh, you know, a General Dunford. These folks that are known across, you know, mm-hmm. just because they're on TV, they, they're known. So they have kind of a free reign, if you will, to get in there to speak for money. Well, me, I didn't know. And there's, a, there's an association associated with speaking, which is the National Speakers Association. I was put onto that, reached out to them. I became a member very quickly. Um, and this was back in 2016. So I've been a member for, for that time period. Well, that's the business side of speaking. That's what we work on. That's what we teach. That's what we're learning. And that's what we're, and it's a huge network. So it's helpful. So you get referrals. And there's, there's a lot of benefit to that speaking world. But what I learned in there was terminology. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a, industry, if you will, and you should learn the industry knowledge or industry mm-hmm. words. So when you're having another conversation with a professional speaker or an event planner or coordinator, I can speak in the same manner which they're listening to regularly. So I'm not just right. using some random words that they don't understand. So I would urge people to go into that realm. If you're going to be in, leaving an industry, the military and going into another industry, whichever that may be, learn the, the vocabulary, buy books, buy magazines that, uh, you know, go into an association just so you can get around those folks. But I say all that to say three years, I've been part of that organization. I've been helpful just being, being me, right. Being a, a servant leader. I've been, mm-hmm. was just a member. So there's people all around. There's I'm working with them. I'm helping them. They're helping me, but I'm always leading with value. Well, I was just elected now and onto the board of directors for the national speakers association, uh, central Florida chapter. And that's to me based on not, how great of a human being I am, but the willingness to give to this organization and the people of it. And those are the skills in which I've used from the military time mm-hmm. to bring in there. I haven't done anything different. I'm, I'm not, I was never that, that overbearing leader that was a micromanager. I mean, I let the people be amazing because they are amazing. Mm-hmm. And I always reap the benefits of them being amazing. My vision is this big and they make my vision, you know, a Picasso mm-hmm. type of painting, but it always looked great. And I've done the same thing here. So those things are, uh, you can equate them very easily. It's the things in which you do right now, when you leave the uniform and you get involved with, with whatever group of people you get involved with, the, the manner in which you approach situations from a stress perspective, from a positive perspective, from mm-hmm. a confidence perspective, from a knowing or knowledgeable perspective, it's, it's, it's desired, right? So they see right. the way in which you are right now, but it doesn't happen with a snap of a finger. This is time. Like I said, it took me three years. 
if my expectation was to be the president of the board of directors at the NSA upon exit from the military, I'd have been sadly, you know, hurt <laughs> and upset. I do understand that the, I'm willing to jump in at a level that isn't like I was the AV guy. The mm -hmm. AV guy is the least, least important job, but one of the most important jobs, but the least, you know, rewarded. And you don't get a pat on mm -hmm. the back. People are like, hey, I carry this, carry this. And I just did it. And mm -hmm. I was a private again, but the mm -hmm. private got promoted. Right. And that's kind of how it works. And that's the way my mindset works is I'm going to do the work to get recognized for the things in which I'm doing without complaining so much for it. Mm. Yeah, that's awesome, man. That's some great advice too. And like I, I tell people all the time, it's like whether you're in or you're out, I mean, whatever craft you want to be in, do your best to master it, right? And part of that is understanding that vocabulary behind it, like talking like the other people in there so that we, you can communicate effectively. That's, that's so important. So sure. I think that's awesome. That's, I was just telling some folks earlier, I was like, hey, be a chef. Don't just be a cook. You know what I mean? I mean there's a difference. <laughs> there's okay. a big difference. Hey. I'm, a, I'm a cook. I'm not a chef. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm just, I'm just being waited on. I'm not a cook at all. I, I, I wouldn't even, let, I wouldn't even put my family through that. If I had to cook from, we might all be in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> that is awesome, brother, man, that man, there's been a ton of just this gems that you just kind of threw out there, man. And I really appreciate it. Um, so much goodness. Um, uh, so whenever we start like rolling to the, towards the end of one of these episodes, we love asking the, the leadership rapid fire and rapid is loose. You know what I mean? Like we say rapid, everybody's like, Oh, I gotta do it. And I was like, no, just, well, so really we should just call it the leadership questions, but, <laughs> but we're going to give you a series of four questions. We're hoping that you can kind of answer it. And really the questions when I ask them, um, is how you, how you interpret and how you want to answer them. Right. So sure. people interpret differently. And I think that's cool because they answer it in a different way that we get, you know, a variety of perspectives. So, Cool. So um, the first question is, um, what is your favorite leadership trait and why? Uh, man, that's, that's tough because there's a million of them, right? But mm -hmm. I, think, uh, I think compassion. I've said it a million times now, and I'll, I'll say it's compassion. It's understanding, empathy, like those, those things. The people that can understand how you feel, right? Because I do not believe that you can be a great leader if you don't know your people. Mm -hmm. And to be compassionate, it doesn't mean to be overly giving, like here's Skittles because you're having a bad day. What I mean is just really understanding what is impacting this individual, right? I mean, mm -hmm. someone, and this is, I know it's not as rapid as I'd probably have oh, liked, no, it's all good. But, <laughs> but I would say this, if, if you've lost, I, I know you've had soldiers or, or excuse me, airmen that have lost a pet, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I'm not a pet guy. I, I'm, I'm not, I don't have any, I'm allergic to them. So I don't own them. I don't like them because I'm allergic to them, but I think they're awesome from across the street. Mm -hmm. But I've had soldiers that have lost a pet. I can very easily be nonchalant in my response and say, dude, come to work. But what I do understand, and I have the level of compassion because I've actually seen people with their animals and I mm -hmm. see how connected they are to those animals. And some of those animals are is equally as important to them, to somebody's children. I don't know how someone loves a thing. I, I don't, but I can understand and, and feel that they're, they're, there's a lot of pain. So I have to be thoughtful enough not to disregard and marginalize what their mm -hmm. emotional feelings are about certain things. Now, can we talk it through? Sure. Can I bring them in as opposed to making them stay home? Sure. I, I can do a whole bunch of stuff. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, I have to do something. And that has yeah. to be from a compassionate place and not from a dicta dictator type position of, of a hard, hard nosed, mm -hmm. I don't care about your dog, your kids or whatever. That's, that's silly to me. So I think compassion is one of the biggest uh, yeah. traits that you have to have as a leader. 
That's great, man. Yeah, I'll tell you, like, I don't know if it's just us, like our own egos or what it is, but we often project how we would feel about something or our own goals on, the, you know, to other people. And it's like, really, we got to look back and like focus on them. So that's awesome. Love it. Compassion. All right. Next uh, question is, uh, what is your favorite quote? I already said it, man. I'll, oh, I'll I never, and I never say it, but I'll, I'll, I'll say it again just for people that are out there listening. It's, it's a genuine leader is not a searcher for consensus, mm-hmm. but a molder, molder of consensus. Nice. You have to make the popular choice because people want you to. Yeah. Things that are, are within you to, to make those choices and be thoughtful and compassionate and everything about all the whole situation, right? Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. I remember I said it earlier and I was like, I wonder if that's going to transition to the being his favorite one period. So that's awesome. Favorite. Good, good stuff. Okay. Um, what would be um, a book or maybe a couple books that you would recommend to an aspiring leader, maybe a transitioning vet or, you know, like different, different things. Um, what, what are some books that you would recommend? Yeah. So uh, I interviewed uh, major general retired uh, Craig Weldon and he wrote a book. It's called leadership, the art of influencing people to be great. I think it's to be, to be great. I think that's, it's, it's long, but it's, I can, I can drop you a link or send you a yeah. link so you can share it. It's a great book. And it's not just a great book for someone over here. It's a great book for leaders in general. And I, and I love that. I mean, you know, you always hear the, the typical John Maxwell's and I, and, and they're great. Don't get me. I'm not, I will not take away from that, but that book by Craig Weldon was great. The other book I would recommend, and I don't know if it's a leadership book as much, and it's, it's probably not for the faint of heart, but if you listen to David Goggins, can't mm-hmm. hurt me. Yeah. Uh, that's a great book. And if you apply it the right way to your life, mm-hmm. I mean, he talks about things from a physical sense, which is, mm-hmm. which is amazing. The things that he's able to do because he's able to work through it is mm-hmm. awesome, but that doesn't have to be limited to physical things. And that could be just building a relationship with your children, building a relationship mm-hmm. with your parents, building a relationship with your neighbors, uh, you know, working. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. You can apply it to anything as long as you just understand the concept of what he's saying. And to me, it's an exciting audible book. I mean, if you read the book, it's, it's not that long. It's not that yeah. bad, but if you, it's a 13 hour audible book, mm-hmm. but it's like a uh, book slash podcast right. type thing. So they read each chapter and then they have a conversation about mm-hmm. each chapter. And it's, it's truly an amazing story. The dude's, the dude's a beast, man. I, I don't oh, care. Yeah. Absolute savage. Yeah. Absolute yeah. savage. Yeah. I, I would always tell people is like, I never tell people how they should consume a book. You know, because, but that one highly recommend the audible version because of exactly what you said. They actually unpack a lot of things during that discussions. I mean, you can even see from his psyche, I mean, where, where he was to where he is. I mean, it's just Mm -hmm. a, it's just a, it's a crazy process because the book's been long written. I mean, not long written, but when he's, when he's reading it and all this stuff, he can actually tell you where, from the place that he was coming from at that time to Mm -hmm. where he is. And you can hear it in his voice to understand there was a lot of pain, hurt, anger, whatever it may have been. But it, it just inspires you that much more because. A lot of us have felt that way at some right. point in time, maybe not to the extent, but definitely, uh, definitely felt like that. before. Yeah, for sure. And I think that the big thing I took from that book was, hey, how much am I leaving on the table? Do I want to just participate in life or do I want to, you know, become the uncommon amongst the uncommon? That's, oh, that's awesome. Stuff. Yeah. You know, that's why I'm glad I'm here because I get to hear stuff. I don't have to be the one. That's perfect. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what am awesome. I willing to leave on a table? Right. That's right. the, mm-hmm. that's the answer. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Cool. So uh, final question. This is the deep one that um, definitely, um, however you want to interpret it is at the Llama Lounge, we're all about life, learning and leadership. So how do you find harmony between those three things, life, learning and leadership? I breathe, man. Yeah, I breathe. And, and what I mean by that is I, I, you know, there was a long time in my life. I mean, I, I could, if we had, had a three hours, we could really discuss my mm-hmm. life, right? But there was times where I was swearing I was doing the right thing. 
and I was just wrong. I mean, there was, there was things in which I've done that I regret uh, to a certain extent. I, I don't really regret anything because all decisions I made, but I, I wish I could have done it a little differently for not me. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I've, I've hurt people through my words more so than my actions. Um, and, you know, just by virtue of growing and being a little bit more mature, and a little bit more thoughtful, uh, sometimes introspective, you know, I, I, I realized that not every decision I make is right. Not everything I do is right. But if I have the reasoning for doing it and the reasoning's pure and why I'm doing it is important for not just me, for everybody that I'm trying to impact, um, that the, the outcome is, is irrelevant. And in, in my opinion, I mean, yes, I want to be quote unquote successful, but success again, like anything has its own definition. If you talked about Ernest Hangley, you say success is the progressive realization of a worthwhile goal. And all of that would mean that as long as you're moving forward, you're still progressing and success is, is, is attainable. Anyway, all that being said is I breathe. I listen to myself. I think about the, the feelings of others. I actually think about the second, third, fourth order of effects of any decision I make because it might not impact me directly, but what impact will it have? So when I talk about life, when I talk about leadership, I talk about any of those things. What I say next matters mm-hmm. to someone and how it's perceived and interpreted can be vastly different. Just like this question is answered differently every time, I'm certain. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, being thoughtful of the re- reasoning behind why I'm saying it, the message that I'm trying to portray, then as long as I know that it's with 100% being genuine, 100% with wholehearted affection to the people in which I'm, I'm leading, um, to, to mostly include my family, because all my decisions impact our livelihood, right? In every kind of way. I'm, I'm thoughtful. And so I breathe. And when I breathe, I make a decision. And then when I do that, I know, regardless if it's right, wrong, what the results are, it came from a very pure and positive place with a thought of gold and you know, intent first impact. You can't always, you can't always change that. Right. So anyway, mm-hmm. that, that's, that's what I, that's how I balance it, man, is yeah. I actually sit there and actually try to be thoughtful of, of what, what it is that I'm going to do next. So I, I know that I impact more than just myself. I, I'm more thoughtful of how it's going to affect you and the people around me than I am concerned about how it's going to affect me. That's awesome, man. That's amazing, bro. I really appreciate you answering those questions and sharing some of your perspectives. Um, I want to give you an opportunity. Um, I know we talked about some of your stuff, like change your forecast and everything, but um, how would people, you know, if, are there websites they can go to, they could find you or uh, any other things that you'd love to share? I'd love to have an opportunity to plug some of your great things that you're doing. Yeah. So I, I don't have a website I do, but I, I, I took it down for reconstruction. I'm kind of going through a rebranding, if you will, in, in a sense, but um. Most places that I'm at, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. I mean, I'm, I'm a LinkedIn guy. I find all my, my uh, content and guests uh, from my show off LinkedIn. Sometimes I get introduced, uh, introduced on Facebook, but LinkedIn is one of those places that I'm at. You know, you, again, you can go to any podcast player. You can go to YouTube because I have a YouTube channel now for On the Other Side, Leadership After Transition. That has a large part of my, my interviews. The, most of my interviews when I first started were all done audio, so I'll have a lot of my podcasts were just the podcast, just the audio version. So as I started doing video, I started to populate YouTube. So I only have eight subscribers. because I just launched it officially like a, a couple days ago. So if you want to subscribe, subscribe. It's great. Um, and and every, all my videos will be going there as well. But if you want to listen on the other side, Leadership After Transition, you can do it on any podcast player. It's on. It's everywhere, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, you, you name it and you'll find it and that'd be good. Um, but yeah, what I would just urge people to do is whether you're transitioning or not, I mean, you can reach out to me. Just make sure you give me an introduction because I not not because I 
I, I don't, if you're in the military, I'll, I'll accept you anyway, right? But what I really want to do is understand what value I can provide you. I like my network on LinkedIn. That's really important for me is that it's actually yeah. a network that's usable, right? right? So what I mean by usable is not just that I can benefit from it, but people that are connected can benefit too. So what I mandate, it's, it's so just whoever connects with me on LinkedIn, just know we're going to have an introduction. Hello, how are you? This is what I do. This is what I am. And then we're going to have a 15 minute conversation at some point. Yeah. And then if, if we don't, I'll delete you uh, only because I need to know that if I was to say, Hey, network, mm-hmm. I need you to share this thing because that mm-hmm. thing is going to be viable. It's not, it's not a money earning thing. It's a, I'm saying I'm sharing something that's going to be beneficial to the transitioning space. And I want someone, I want my network to work for me. Just like when my network reaches out and says, Hey, I want you to share X. I do it because that, that's, a, that's a workable network, not just mm-hmm. random people out there. I think that's what we call Facebook. And right. Facebook, I have 2,000, 2,500 people on Facebook and some because of algorithms I see and some I don't. And mm-hmm. so be it. it does, it's, not, it's no skin off my back. But from a business sense, from an information sense, LinkedIn is definitely where it's at. So that's what I have, buddy. That's, uh, that's how you can get me. I, real quick, I just want to say one last thing. And thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed the conversation, Joey. And, and, and I got to be honest. I'm really appreciative of what you're doing uh, for, for the airmen that are following you, for the people that are listening to you. So thank you so much. Thank you, man. Thank you. And I, I'm one of those eight subscribers. I know that for sure because I, I went on there and subscribed. You're doing amazing things. Um, I love what you're doing. And I am absolutely honored and privileged to be a part of your network. Um, love to have you on again some other time. We'll talk again more about some other general leadership type stuff or life, life lessons. But, um, but uh, thank you so much for taking the time, bro. No problem, man. Thank you. All right. To all our listeners, thank you for tuning in once again. Uh, Be safe, stay healthy, and llamas are out. Thanks for tuning in to the Llama Lounge podcast. Be sure to visit the homepage for links to products and services related to this episode. And don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice. See you next time.